TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon, I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the State of California. While affirmative action is no longer legal in college admissions after it was outlawed this summer by the U.S. Supreme Court, but many universities still give preference to so-called legacies, the children of alumni and prominent donors. And a recent report found that at least three colleges in California, some of those applicants get in even when they're not qualified for admission. An attempt to ban legacy admissions in the Golden State fell short four years ago. Now the author of that bill wants to try again. And for more, we're joined today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by that legislator, State Assemblymember Phil Ting of San Francisco. Thanks so much for being with us again. Thanks for having me, Doug. Great to be here. So you tried to get rid of legacy admissions in 2019 and ended up having to water that bill down and settle for just requiring schools in California to report how many legacy uh, applicants they admit. What have you learned from those reports so far? Well, we learned that it's a fairly significant number, especially when you look at uh, other demographics. For example, at Stanford uh, and Santa Clara and USC, they're all over 13 to 14 percent, which is quite a large number, much larger than many smaller uh, minority groups. And so what we see is uh, legacy admissions remains the way for many uh, one percenters to get their kids into college. All right. So where do you go from here? Do you think there's renewed momentum for for banning legacies in California? You know, I I, I sure hope so, because uh, especially since uh, California uh, banned affirmative action a long time ago, uh, there's been a sense that we should be taking a closer look at socioeconomic status. And what's happened is, is a renewed interest in making sure that lower income, middle income families uh, have access to higher education. And what's interesting is, I don't know if you saw the recent report by Harvard that was released, high income owners significantly uh, were admitted at much much more significant numbers than their similar uh, counterparts at lower incomes uh, when you looked at similar test scores. Yeah, I did see that study out of Harvard, those Harvard economists. And I mean, they essentially found that there's affirmative action for the rich, uh, that elite universities, you know, including the Ivy League schools and Stanford, uh, are more likely to admit people from very wealthy families. So even though they say there's no quid pro quo, they don't promise admission even to somebody who gives, you know, $10 million for a new building or something. But how would limiting legacies help address this discrepancy? Well, if you just look at what the Harvard economists say, and these, these are what the experts say, is that that was one of their recommendations. They said uh, eliminating uh, legacy admissions, having a focus on working class and uh, lower income students could really even the playing field. Uh, that was their words, not just mine. And I think that's really what many of us have felt. We felt that uh, there's a back door for folks that have the resources, and then there's the door that everybody else has to wait in line for. So the UC system already expressly prohibits legacy admissions as, as it does affirmative action. Uh, and this, the Cal State system says they don't give legacies preference. So, so why do we need to ban this in California? Why is this so important? 
Well, well, I think you look at many all the private schools that have it. You have uh, some of the most prestigious private schools around the world in California. You have Stanford, you have the Claremont Colleges, you have the University of Southern California, very, very uh, sought after universities by really even the playing field, you're creating greater access. And frankly, you're you're trying to help these universities fulfill the mission they say they uh, really subscribe to, which is making sure they're educating uh, the world's leaders. And the world's leaders shouldn't only come from the top 1% of incomes in the country. So, I believe Colorado is the only state that bans legacy admissions right now at its public universities. What form would you envision this new bill taking it? And would you be able to legally apply it to private colleges too, like, you know, like Stanford, like the Claremont Colleges? Yeah, the, the way that we looked at doing it four years ago, which would be a similar approach, is the one point of leverage we have is around Cal Grants. Uh, Cal Grants are state uh, scholarships that go toward uh, all students who qualify by income, and they take that scholarship to whatever institution. What we really were, what we did last time, and probably would be thinking about it doing it in a similar way, is that um, any universities that take the benefit of the Cal Grant could not. Uh, incorporate legacy admissions into their missions policies. So that's the leverage you have, right? So that way you could apply it to both private and public. That's right. Well, in, in, in public, you don't have it, right? And so what's interesting is um, one of the most elite colleges in the country, MIT, does not have legacy admissions. And those same Harvard economists in that study found that uh, they had a much more even distribution across income. And then when you looked at incomes, um, by when you compared different income levels with the same test scores, you didn't seem the same kind of preference that you did for higher income students. And what's so interesting is that the, the quote from the Harvard economist, I'm just going to paraphrase it, is that it's, it was clear that uh, those schools didn't want to admit uh, middle income or lower income students. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you is how genuine do you think the interest is at these universities? And I'm sure it varies from campus to campus to actually have a diverse student population, to have people from all walks of life, to give people a chance, you know, who never had one. Or do you think to some extent they're interested in perpetuating, you know, an elite one percent class? Well, well, I think that I think they're definitely genuine if you if you uh, talk to them individually. But uh, what happens is, is they reserve um, the top spots and the first spots for the one percenters, and then they uh, leave the crumbs for everybody else. And so that's that's what's what, that's what seems very very clear. Given that affirmative action is no more, how important is it? I mean, how disproportionate do you think these legacy admissions and these policies that favor the rich are on students of color, as far as giving richer whiter applicants, you know, yet another leg up, and meanwhile a leg has been pulled out of the stool for everybody else. Well, well, I bet if you look at it, uh, legacy admissions probably were coming in at a higher level than affirmative action because, uh, again, affirmative action were just for students who, all things being equal, uh, race was just one of many factors that could be could be looked at. Now, um, and, and so you don't exactly, so even if you look at African-American students or Latino students or other students, um, you don't, you can't say that whole category of students were all affirmative actions, probably just a few of them who who were really given that opportunity. Whereas, say, at Stanford, there's, you know, almost 14% of that student body, legacy admissions were set aside, right? And so they get a reserved pot. And so there's, it's much, much larger than the affirmative action pot.
So do you think this time you can muster enough support to pass this bill? And what's going to be different this time around? We'll see. I mean, we'll just see. Um, you know, what we did, we didn't have last time that really is helpful this time is we didn't have any data and we didn't have any reports. And now that now that there's been more reports and now that we have the data that we gathered, you see that it's not a small percentage of a class. It's fairly significant. All right. State Assemblymember Filting of San Francisco, thank you for being with us again. Thanks, Doug. Good talking you can, to you. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll still find me on Twitter, or X, I guess it's called now, at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.